didn't know that the Praise and Worship Choir was going to start doing that, but I was sitting here thinking, wouldn't it be neat if somebody thought, well, they're expecting everybody in the church to sing a verse of that before we stop. <laughs> and I was expecting somebody to jump up and say, I don't know what to sing, but I'm sure to do it so people won't be looking at me anymore, waiting for me to do it. Spontaneity. The scripture is going to come again from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. But what I want to ask you to do today, for the last, this is the third Sunday that we've been looking at this idea of can we believe the Christmas story. And each, each Sunday I've read from Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read that again, but let me ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, okay? Before I pray, let me remind you once again that if you want to read the Christmas story, if on Christmas Eve or Christmas week uh, you want to read the Christmas stories, Matthew 1 and 2, uh, Luke 1 and 2, and uh, it's not the entire second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Let me tell you what it is. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through... Uh, I'll get there in just a minute, y'all. Okay, one through uh, one through forty. Okay, and then John chapter one verses one to fourteen. Now, before I pray, I want you to know something. I didn't know how these sermons were going to end uh, and how they were going to come out, and I know that you didn't either. And, and what I'm hoping and praying, what has blessed me is to feel uh, the confidence that the story we have here is the truth. I, I truly believe that God sent his son and he came and was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary and a man named Joseph. I really believe it. I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to believe what Matthew and Luke and John share with us. And again, I just hope that you have that confidence in your heart that this is a, a believable story. It's an unbelievable, but it's a believable story. And as the angel said to Mary, you know, with, with man this would be impossible, but with God all things are possible. So let's pray and let's look at the Word of God. Father, we thank you again for your sending your Son. Lord, in such a rushing world, not only at Christmas time, but throughout the year, Father, it's so hard for us to be focused on the fact of how much you loved us and how even 2,000 years ago, that you sent your son and how thousands of years prior to that you let Adam and Eve know that this was going to be a plan that you had to send the Savior. And it's so hard for us to understand how in eternity before you created man and, and woman with the ability to sin that you had already, already provided a way that they could be saved and in right relationship with you. Father, just pray that you'll help us to know that we can believe the Christmas story. We can believe that this is the Christ. And I ask again, Lord, that you'll just speak through your word to our hearts. If there are those here that do not yet know you as Savior, I pray that this story would stick in their hearts and minds and help them one day to come to know Christ as their Savior. And Father, for we who are Christians who have lost our zeal to serve you, and who have lost our enthusiasm about telling others about the Christ. Lord, renew those things so that we, like the shepherds, will go about sharing the good news of the things that happened in Bethlehem. Father, bless us in these moments, for we ask in Christ's name. 
Amen. Just listen as I read the story from Matthew, okay? Again, I hope you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 2. But listen again, and, and, and Matthew tells us in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be of child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is a quote of Isaiah 7:14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had born her son, and he called his name Jesus. Folks, in the last two Sundays, we have talked about reason number one to believe the Christmas story is because the Christmas story is the Word of God. And what I mean by that, God promised a Redeemer, a Savior. God promised since Adam and Eve sinned and death was brought into the world that he would send a Savior for man. Therefore, the Old Testament is a book of promise while the New Testament is a book of fulfillment. That was reason number one. Reason number two, the Christmas story was written by people who lived with, who saw, who heard Jesus preach and teach and do miracles, but most importantly, Jesus changed their lives. And folks, you and I can believe the Christmas story recorded in Matthew and Luke because the Holy Spirit breathed on them the truth of who Jesus was, his purpose and his mission, and in coming to earth and how he came to this earth. And this is where I want to pick up this morning. How did Matthew get his information to write the gospel of Matthew? And let me just, I want to just share four different things with you, okay? And then we're going to move to reason number three. Number one, the Holy Spirit of God revealed a lot of truth to Matthew. And one of the key verses in the New Testament about understanding how the Bible is inspired of God is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Many of you know this. You've committed it to memory. Let me just read this verse to you again. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And the word inspired there means God breathed. Have you ever had the opportunity to teach a Sunday school class, perhaps to just share a testimony, something that you did in a, a, a setting to where if God did not speak through you, you couldn't get it done? And probably some indicators that that was one of those times as you became so nervous you didn't know what to say or what to do. But guess what? God gave you the words and gave you the strength to do it. Folks, I believe that this is just a very small understanding of how God inspired men like Matthew and Luke and the other writers of Scripture. God breathed upon them his truth. And folks, the Awanas kids learned Scripture. 
A couple of weeks ago, their scripture memory verse was John 17, 17, where Jesus says about the Father, Thy word is truth. And folks, without going into a long, detailed reason why we can know that the Scriptures are the Word of God, you and I must believe that God's Spirit inspired Matthew and Luke to record these events. And folks, I want to read another passage of Scripture. This is John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Again, I'm sorry these are not on the... On the, uh, on the screen, and if you would like to know these, if you'll call friends, she'll gladly give you these or call me, okay? But before Jesus left this earth, he talked about how the Spirit of God would come and would bear witness. The Holy Spirit would guide the disciples, would speak to the disciples, would speak through the disciples. The Holy Spirit would declare who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit would glorify not only Jesus but God the Father. And let me read these words to you. And as I read these words, think about Matthew was surely in Jesus' presence and listening as Jesus spoke these words. Surely Matthew did not know at that point that one day he would sit down and write what you and I call the Gospel of Matthew, including the Christmas story, the birth story. But listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I think what Jesus is saying, you can't understand these things at this moment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Folks, let me tell you something. Our Lord, if we give him our minds and our hearts, he will speak to us. And one of the ways that he will speak to us is through his word. And again, without going into a sermon, this is one of the reasons that Satan wants you and I to stay out of the word of God. He really does. He does not want us to know the truth about God. And again, remember what Jesus said, John 17, 17, thy word is true. How did Matthew get his information to write the gospel of Matthew? Number one, the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, you know, Joseph is really left out. Uh, We don't know when Joseph died. And surely Jewish people would pass things on to one another. And surely Joseph passed on, and I don't perhaps even to Matthew himself. How does Matthew know to record the story found in chapter 1 that I've just read about how the angel came and spoke to Matthew? Well, of course, the Holy Spirit again. But did Matthew get to speak to Joseph somewhere along the line and Joseph tell him these things? And how about Mary, the mother of Jesus? You know, I've never really given this much thought. But after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, after Jesus ascended back into heaven, as that small church began in Acts 1, 14, and 15, listen to these words, Acts 1, 14, and 15, all these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, And in those days, Peter stood up among the brethren. The company of persons was 
and all about 120. Folks, in that early church was Mary. And I believe that Mary must have been influential in passing on her testimony about how the angel came and spoke to her in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. And folks, you might be saying, well, why are you taking so much time? We want to hear about the Christmas story. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a world that doubts all of this. And we need to let them know we're not a bunch of morons that are senseless and brainless and we're just programmed by preachers on Sunday morning and we go out and believe this stuff. Folks, we believe it because this is the truth of God. And just as Matthew and Luke and those other disciples had been with Jesus through the word of God, we can be with Jesus. And folks, how did Matthew get these things? Three years he followed Jesus. Three years Matthew witnessed the life and miracles and teachings of Jesus, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And if you and I ask Matthew, can we believe the Christmas story, Matthew says what? Yes. Now, here's the third reason. This is one I'm really excited about getting to. Why can we believe the Christmas story? Well, folks, there's witnesses telling us that the child born in Bethlehem is the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And let me just, and, and I hope that you'll just make a mental note of this or you'll just write it down, not because I'm saying it, but because the Word of God tells us. There are heavenly witnesses as Jesus being the Christ. There are earthly witnesses to Jesus being the Christ. There is even celestial, you know what that word, I, that's a big word for me. You remember the star that led the wise men to the baby? Folks, that star was witnessing that this is the Christ child. But let me tell you the heavenly witnesses, folks, and I want to mention at least four, and if you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 1, just, just give me just a second, okay? Let me mention at least four different heavenly witnesses that this baby is none other than the Son of God, the Christ child. We've already read in Matthew chapter 1, an unnamed angel comes to Matthew in a dream, and excuse me, comes to Joseph in a dream and tells Joseph that this baby is who? Well, let me read it to you one more time. This is the words of the angel. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. But as he considered this, behold, an angel, again, unnamed angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call its name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means... God with us, an unnamed angel. But folks, look in Luke chapter 1 at verse 19. And, and let me point some things out, okay? I, again, these stories, I, I just absolutely love them. And Luke 1, 19, listen to this. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. And look at this next phrase, who stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And folks, let me point something out. 
Gabriel is sent, first of all, to who? Zechariah. And again, putting all this in perspective, God had promised in the Old Testament that before the, the Messiah was born or came, there would be a forerunner who would prepare the way. God chose a man who was already in priestly service named Zechariah, who was serving in the temple. He and his wife, we don't know how old they were, but they had gone beyond the, the time of childbearing. And this angel, Gabriel, comes to the temple where Zechariah is serving and says, now again, folks, listen to this. I am Gabriel who stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you what? Some good news. And folks, it's not just, just only that his wife who has been barren is going to bear a child but that child is going to be the forerunner prophesied in the Old Testament to make the way ready for the Savior. And listen to what the angel says in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 15 to 17, about John the Baptist. Listen to this. For he will be great before the Lord, he will drink no wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, I've wrestled with that. Does that mean that John the Baptist didn't have a choice, that he was going to be holy unto the Lord? No, I don't think that's what it means. But I think that God's Spirit, even when, when John the Baptist is in his mother's womb, is in that baby and that child. And let me give you a reason for that. Later on, Elizabeth is cousin to Mary. And Mary goes down to visit Elizabeth in her six months pregnancy. And when she comes, when Mary comes in, the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb because she knows that Mary, he knows that Mary will bear the Christ child. It's right here in the scripture, folks. I believe it happened. I really do. But this... Angel Gabriel, let me finish what he said about John the Baptist. Uh, he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You see, all of this God had planned. Not an accident of history, not a quirk of fate. It was all in God's plan. But folks, not only does Gabriel go to Zechariah, but look later in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And folks, let me read these words to you. It's going to be, it's going to be a lengthy passage of Scripture. But look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And I'll stop right there for just a second. Again, and I'm not trying to beat up on other people who are teaching wrong doctrine, but boy, wrong doctrine is leading people to hell. Jesus was born of a virgin according to the word of God, okay? Because it was an act of God. It was not an act of man. And isn't it kind of ironic in a sense According to Colossians 4.14, Luke is a physician. 
Now, folks, you and I would know that he would not be of a physician with the knowledge and skills of a physician today. But truly, Dr. Luke knew where babies came from. Can you imagine Dr. Luke writing in his gospel that Mary had not had any type of relationship with any man and God conceived in her womb this baby? He would probably be disbarred by the uh, BMA, the Bethlehem Medical Association. All right, I made that up. That's obvious, okay. But Dr. Luke says, and I believe that Mary must have shared this with him, this angel Gabriel came and said, you're going to bear a son. And listen to this. Let me go... And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Can you imagine? She's going to go tell her parents, Listen, I'm going to have a baby, but don't worry. An angel named Gabriel came to me and said, This is going to happen. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Folks, there's, there's the divine element in all of this. And again, I can't stress that enough. This is an act of God. And listen, Mary doesn't understand it. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. Gabriel says you'll call this baby Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, the unnamed angel told Joseph what would be the name of the baby? Jesus. Folks, all of this, again, is working out according to the plan of God. And listen to what he says. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. You remember we studied how in Second Samuel uh, chapter 7, God promises David that one of his descendants will sit on, sit on the throne and that it will be an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom. And this is a prophecy of the coming of Christ. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, listen to this, How shall this be since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born shall be called. Now listen to this, folks. This is the end of verse 35, correct? He'll be called what? Holy, the Son of God. Whose son will this baby be? He is the son of God. And then the angel says, Behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So folks, in Matthew chapter 1, there's an unnamed angel who speaks to Joseph in a dream. In Luke chapter 1, there is Gabriel, the named angel, who speaks to Zechariah and then to Mary. And then there is another unnamed angel sent to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. Listen to this, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 12. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. They were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Behold, uh, excuse me, be not afraid, for behold, I bring you what? Good news. Good news. 
That's another word for gospel. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel IDs this baby as who? The Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So folks, an unnamed angel is sent to the shepherds. But then look at verse 13 to 15 in Luke chapter 2. Let me read this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Folks, just, just stop and think for just a minute. An angel had gone to the shepherds, but as they journeyed to the place where the baby was, there was a heavenly host. Who are they? I can only imagine. Angels. All who had gone before were Adam and Eve in that group. Abraham, who had received the promise. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets, priests. All the ordinary people of God who had already gone to heaven. Again, I believe this. I don't think this is made up. And as I was trying to think about who this was, and I just give you this for thought, okay? In Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, there's a picture of Jesus sitting on his throne in heaven before the great scroll is, is opened up. And listen to what John says. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriad of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Could it have been some of the same crowd in heaven that's worshiping Jesus in Revelations 5, that heavenly host? This makes me want to shout, folks. Can you imagine gazillions of angels praising the heavenly Father? Can you imagine when we get there and we surround the throne of our Savior and of our God? Folks, there's not only these heavenly witnesses, but there's the earthly witnesses. First, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, let me read these verses. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. These wise men given witness by a celestial witness, a star that was different than any other. And I've heard some of the stories about the coming together of some of the stars and the constellations. I don't know how God did it, but these folks were convinced that something heavenly had taken place on earth. And so they went to Jerusalem. They were told to follow the star. When they got to Jerusalem, they inquired to Herod the king about where the king was to be born. Herod sent and got the leading religious leaders and they told him in Bethlehem. 
And listen to what Matthew says in chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. Then Herod summoned the wise men and ascertained from them what time the star appeared, and he sent sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Earthly witnesses, the wise men, the shepherds that we've read about just earlier, Listen again, Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 20. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as it had been told them. So, folks, earthly witnesses, the wise men from the east, the shepherds, and we're about to run out of time, but I want to I give you two more. Simeon, in chapter 2 of Luke, verses 25 to 35, and let me just read a couple of these verses, okay? Now, there was, and, and this is when Jesus is taken to the, to the temple, eight days old, to be dedicated to the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God's Spirit told this man, you're not going to die until you see with your own eyes the Savior that I promised. Listen to this. And inspired by the Spirit, he, Simeon, came into the temple And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, listen to these words, Lord, now letteth thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles for glory to thy people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him And Simeon blessed them. And folks, then there's the story of Anna found in verses 36 to 38 in Luke chapter 2. She is a woman who stayed in the temple praying daily, knowing that God was going to send a Messiah. And when she sees the baby Jesus, she thanks God and speaks to all who are looking for the redemption, the Messiah, in Jerusalem. Now, folks, I'm going to close, but please listen, if you would, to what I'm about to tell you. Why is it so important to have these witnesses? In the Old Testament, in order for an event to be believed, whether it was good or bad, there had to be witnesses. And I'll read these verses to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, and of course... This is actually said in a criminal sense when somebody was being charged with a crime. 
God's Word says in Deuteronomy 19.15, a single witness shall not prevail against a man for any crime or for any wrong in the connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be sustained. I believe Matthew and Luke knew, especially Matthew, who was a Jew, that the people that read his gospel would expect him to present witnesses. You think about it. There were thousands of people who had witnessed some of the things that Jesus had done. And you say, well, give me an instance. Jesus fed the multitude twice. You remember? Thousands were fed with, with very small amounts of food. The resurrection of Jesus is attested by many. Folks, the miracles of Jesus, many, many people saw it. Folks, it's important that we understand that the story of the coming of Christ, the Christmas story, has many witnesses. All of heaven bears witness that Jesus was the Christ. And many on earth witness to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Satan, over the centuries, has tried to silence these witnesses by getting people to turn away from the Word of God, to doubt the Word of God, by getting Christians like you and I not to be dependent upon the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. How did you and I come to know Christ as our personal Savior? The Holy Spirit of God convicted us not only that we were sinners, but that that man who died on the middle cross was God's very Son sent to redeem us from our sin. And folks, the Holy Spirit would would want to witness to you today that the baby born in Bethlehem in the manger is God's very own son. Would you trust him as your Savior? Many people would say that's outrageous. How can a baby save any of us, most especially a weak baby like that, a baby born in what seemed to be an illegitimate relationship? How can a man dying on a cross save humanity? How can an empty grave be proof that Jesus was the Savior of the world? You know what the proof is? Heaven bears witness, many on earth. And the change in our lives and in our hearts bears witness. The very existence of this church did you know if Jesus were not real, was not real, Satan would have already destroyed this church? You and I realize that. I'm just, the older I get, the more I see that Satan is trying to just destroy the work of God. And one of the ways that he seeks to destroy it today is to disqualify this story as being believable that God's son would come in the form of a baby. Folks, can we believe in Christmas? Can we? Can we? Absolutely, yes. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, today, ten days away from Christmas, Lord, help us not to doubt this story because the Spirit of God bears witness not only through Matthew and Luke and John, 
and through the heavenly host and through the earthly witnesses, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna. But Father, help the Holy Spirit to bear witness through each one of us as Christians to a lost and dying world. And Father, this morning I pray that if there's anyone here that has not yet turned to Jesus to be their Savior, whether they're young or old, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal the truth of who this baby is, that he is the very Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for coming and for dying for us. Thank you, Father, that the Christmas story is not just about the baby, but it's also about the cross and about the resurrection. And Father, again, I just pray that we will truly celebrate what you have done in sending your son this year. Father, help us to bear witness to the story of the Christ. For we ask in his name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 544, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. That might not sound like a Christmassy song. But folks, that's the truth. Until you let Jesus have his way in your heart and life, you cannot know the reality of the Christmas event and the Christmas story. Under the conviction of your sin by the Holy Spirit and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Christ, would you turn your heart and life over to him and trust him as your Savior? If Christ speaks, would you move and would you come forward and profess your faith? If he doesn't move, please just stand right where you are and pray for others. Let's stand as we sing.